0: Welcome, everybody, to the first episode of an ACC podcast. I am Lauren Brownlow. I, If you don't know me, I've been covering the ACC in some form or fashion for, I guess, gosh, going on 15 years now. That's crazy. Uh, my first summer was summer-fall 2005. So, yeah, that's, I am old at this point. But, yeah, I've been, been around it a while, born and raised in Greensboro, mere minutes from where the ACC was actually founded at Bedfield Country Club. So yeah, I I have pretty good ACC bona fides, I would say. Um, And I'm excited. I'm based in Raleigh. I cover the Triangle teams primarily, but I've always been interested in the goings-on of the ACC as a whole. And when I knew I was going to start doing this podcast for SB Nation, I immediately knew the first guest I wanted to have on um, was Bud Elliott. He is now with Banner Society And I've known Bud for a while as well, Bud, I wanted to have on partially because he knows the league about as well as almost anybody that I know that covers it. But also um, I knew that I would have Bud on after the week zero game between Florida and Miami. So I knew that regardless of the outcome of that game, Bud was going to have something amusing to say about it. (laughs) So uh, first of all, hi, Bud.
1: Hey, what's going on, Laura?
0: Not much. Um, I I wanted to know, first of all, Should we feel better about Miami after having seen that game in a weird way? Should we feel worse about Florida? Is the answer yes to both of those? Like, how should we feel after that?
1: I I think it all depends on what your expectations were going at the game. Like, if you were a Florida fan and you were expecting Felipe Franks to take the quote unquote next step after already taking a big step uh, last year, then you might be kind of bummed out because in week one, it looks like he was about, or week zero, it looked like he was about the same guy that he was last year, which is a fine, decent college quarterback, not a special college quarterback, uh, you know, just a decent one. In the back of your mind, if you're a UF fan, you got to be thinking, well, damn it, like are we actually going to be able to beat Georgia if Felipe <laughs> has not taken yet another step? Uh, probably not, right? Um, for Miami, I think you have to feel that these linebackers are just as good as, as we knew they would be, so that was good. The, the defense was was pretty good overall. Um, offensive line we thought the probably true freshman offensive tackle at left tackle would struggle I don't think anybody thought the right tackle uh, that the redshirt freshman would struggle quite as much as he did and then Jaron Williams holds the ball for a day and a half uh, <laughs> to the point where his OC kind of throws him under the bus there although I was talking to somebody about it I was like look he has, if he's going to answer honestly the dude has to throw somebody under the bus because like you're throwing a freshman under the bus regardless, right? Like the quarterbacks yeah. a freshman and both tackles are freshmen. So the sacks were largely on a freshman. It just depends on <laughs> which one you want to pick. So I, I think Miami, the good news for them is that the pass rushes they face, like they don't play cues. They don't play Clemson Rashad Weaver, the stud defensive end at Pitt. He blew his what Achilles or ACL. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's right. Like they caught the best, possible pass rusher luck i think you could catch playing within the acc which is a league with good pass rushers um they're gonna look a lot better i think in, in just down the stretch because they're not gonna have to play good pass rushes
0: yeah no that that's a good point point. and i mean jaron williams you know yeah he made some mistakes but it, it certainly seemed like an upgrade from <laughs> last year of course almost anything i guess would be with considering how bad their quarterback play was last year but yeah, you're right. They're not going to face a pass rush like that. Again, although 10 sacks is still, huge. <laughs> it's, it's a lot. <laughs> it's way too many. Um, so I, this got me to kind of thinking about the Coastal a little bit. You, you also do blue chip ratio, which is a really fascinating stat. If you guys are into numbers out there, you got to go check it out. You have an article up, I think. You should still have it up at Banner Society, right? The, the blue chip ratio piece that you did yeah. uh, oh, yeah. right when y'all started. Yeah. So y'all have to go check that out. Um, footballwebsite.com if I have that correct, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it redirects now uh, to BannerSociety.com. society dot com. Awesome. So, blue chip ratio, it, it really is simple, and a lot of folks try to use it for other purposes. And I'm like, hey, I, I invented it, and I definitely don't use it for those other purposes, right? Because it doesn't work mm-hmm. for them. But it's really just kind of a like a necessary but not sufficient condition for winning a national title. Have you recruited at this bare minimum national title level? After that, it's development, it's coaching, it's um, you know culture. All those things that basically Clemson is really good at as well, uh, but you have to you have to recruit to this bare minimum level. And there were 16 teams this year, three uh, within the ACC. I think two of them actually represent uh, really good examples here of how it's not the be all end all. Like it's a minimum. It's not like a, a thing that if you do it, you're going to win a title. Being uh, Florida State, and Miami, and then obviously one in Clemson who recruits very well is actually recruiting now even better than they ever have. Uh, but they also nail the culture stuff the development, the the attrition, all that sort of stuff.
0: Well, I'm so people talk about the coastal division being, you know, so far behind the Atlantic and and I I understand why. And the, the counter argument you always hear is like, these things are cyclical. It, I don't know if the blue chip ratio is the best way to do this, but is, I guess the teams in the Coastal, besides Miami, which I think is right at that threshold, that 50% threshold, the bare minimum, like you were saying, to, to kind of get to a national title in the national title conversation, how far, can you use that in any way to sort of extrapolate how far behind the Coastal is behind the Atlantic, or is it not quite as far as we think? Like, what, what do you think?
1: So I, I don't think it's, it's that helpful for looking at like the medium and kind of lower level teams within the P5. Because there are some right. teams who I don't think are trying to recruit at a national title level, right? Like, they could spend their recruiting energy chasing stars if that was their goal, and they could probably sign a couple of them, but that I don't think that's actually their goal. Like, take an Iowa, right? Like, Iowa does pretty well every year. They don't recruit at a high level, and yet they're able to win 8, 9, 10 games consistently by finding guys who fit their system. They're not going to win a national title doing that, and so I think you have to evaluate what these teams are doing. Like, Virginia. Does UVA have national title aspirations? I doubt it, but they do do a good job of of finding guys who fit their system. Um, In the coastal, the teams who I think are actually chasing some stars and have those higher level aspirations, Georgia tech now under Jeff Collins, clearly that was his pitch, right? I'm going to tap into Atlanta. I'm going to try to bring a higher level talent. Clearly Miami, UNC is trying to do that. We'll see how well that works. Um, (laughs) Botek is kind of an interesting one, right? With like, they clearly have national title aspirations as a program. They have that trophy there or the empty yeah. trophy case, not the trophy. Yep. <laughs> uh, and then who am I missing in the coastal? There's, uh, there's gotta be somebody. Oh, Duke, right? right? Like so Duke, Duke is very much kind of that, that UVA thing where yeah. they're not trying to land five stars. They're, they're trying to find guys who, who fit their system. In the difference being the the Atlantic clearly has two teams who do try to win national titles and have shown the ability to, to do so both in recruiting and on the field at different times as a program. Um, my The coastal has either one or zero, depending on what you think of Miami right now. I, I think it's probably one.
0: Yeah. Okay. No, that makes sense. Do you think it's cyclical though? Like, do you think that those name programs are going to sort of come back around and things will start to look a little bit more even, or does it just seem like there's really no, no path back to evening things back up?
1: So I think it's, I think it's cyclical, but I don't think cycles are random, right? Like there has to be a reason why the cycle changes. And with the way Clemson's recruiting right now, I don't think that they're going to be going downhill anytime soon. We'll have to, like somebody has to give me a reason to think they're going to rise up in the coastal to that like consistent top 10 range. And maybe that's, maybe that's, maybe it just comes from Miami elevating, right? They haven't done so in so long or, Maybe Virginia, maybe Fuente is able to get a DC in there who he actually wants and uh, is able to up their recruiting. But I don't know. Georgia Tech seems kind of like a long-term rebuild with with the offense they have to switch Ooh. over. Yeah, it, it's tough to see that like the balance flipping that quickly.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, another reason I wanted to have you on. Um, when I knew I was looking ahead to week one was I actually think that Florida State, um, and by the way, at the time we're recording this, we're still waiting to hear officially if Florida State is going to actually play this game with the hurricane sort of bearing down on Florida right now. Um, But Florida State facing off against Boise State, I think this is the most intriguing ACC game of the weekend. And besides maybe Utah State-Wake Forest, except no one really cares about Utah State-Wake Forest um, outside of the true ACC diehard. So um, I guess – What's sort of your take on 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 this game Florida State is favored, which surprised me a little bit, but um, is Florida State ready to sort of take on a, an opponent like this and and maybe have a functional offensive line and and do what they need to do to win a game like this
1: so I think Florida State is going to be a lot more competent right fewer mm-hmm. mistakes less sloppiness that that's been a real theme throughout practice that not only have the coaches said, but, but my guys there who get to watch have told me, yeah, it it looks better. Um, I don't think they're a whole lot more talented up front, offensive line wise, but I do think that they will have fewer, like free runners, you know, at the quarterback where just nobody touches somebody. Last yeah. year, we literally had a tackle who played like almost a full half grade a zero um, against Syracuse, like a, a zero. Remember. I've Ooh. never seen that. I thought it was a misprint, but that's <laughs> Pro Football Focus for you, I guess. Um, Boise lost their quarterback, who was like their all-time record holder, Brett Rippon. They lost a third-round running back. Um, They lost a couple good receivers, and they lost some some pieces in the secondary. Uh, They're starting a true freshman QB on the road in his first game. So, like, he could end up being really good. He was the highest-rated quarterback any Mountain West team has ever signed. But it's still game one on the road in Florida. Uh, I think Boise will be better on both lines of scrimmage. Right, but is the gap bigger in the lines of scrimmage, or is the gap bigger on the outside and at the quarterback position? Because at least with Florida State, I don't think Alex Hornibrook's any good. But if he's your (laughs) backup, he's a dude who's played like thirty games, right? Like he's not—he's probably not true freshman bad.
0: No, that that's true. And I actually, I was excited um, for Florida State when they named Blackman the starter, James Blackman. I actually, I liked what I saw out of him last year. I don't know. Am I crazy?
1: No, I, I don't think you're crazy. It's just they want him to make quicker decisions and get the ball out quicker. Yeah. And uh, because that's the real focus when you have the sort of offensive line crater that they're, I think it's probably a legitimate. I don't like the whole program's a four-year rebuild, but I think the O line's a four-year rebuild, right? Yeah. Um, like we saw with Wake Forest, Three or four years ago, just how long it was going to take to, to flip that thing. Um, and I think they're in a similar spot, although with a greater ability to to get talent on the recruiting trail. Um, but I, I think Blackman has certainly has upside, right? Like he, he tore up NC State last year in a loss. Mm-hmm. He he played pretty well once Francois blew his blew his, or, uh, blew his knee against uh, against Alabama there, and he was he didn't even early, early enroll that year, so he'd only been on campus for a couple of weeks by the time you know he had to go in and play the next 11 games I, I think he could be better uh than some people think but i don't i don't know that he's going to be like a superstar
0: yeah I, not like at the risk of using a complete cliche i just thought he had like some moxie um and oh, maybe the dudes that's play a- hard for him.
1: there's no doubt i think <laughs> you're yeah. right on
0: yeah there's a noticeable difference between the way the team looked when he was in and the way it looked when francois was in and some not all of that is due to one like who the quarterback is but i did think that it mattered a little bit uh, especially by the end of the year. It, they seemed to be excited when he was in the game.
1: And Francois uh, was kind of like an anti-leader. So Yeah. You
0: know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we you know, you touched on the Alabama thing when, when Francois blew out his knee and, and that kind of gets me a little bit to Duke. I just wanted to touch on this briefly. Like we all know that game's not going to be probably particularly close, even with some of the suspensions um and, and injuries that Alabama's dealing with right now. Um, I believe their best linebackers out. They got three running backs, I believe, suspended for the first half against Duke. Um, in case people hadn't heard this news yet, um, but my my thing for Duke when I first heard about this game, and we've seen teams open with Alabama in years past. Florida State did. What does this team? What does this do to a team to face a team like Alabama in the opener? Like, what are sort of the season long effects, and maybe even like just the immediate effects of playing a game like that to open your season? What can it do? good and bad and maybe mostly bad.
1: So I think a lot of it depends on whether you actually think you can win the game, right? Mm. Like it's, it's not a letdown if you go in there expecting to get whipped. And if you're Duke, do you really think you can win this game? Probably not. Right. Like, like, I think if you're Duke's coaches, you're playing to win the game, but you're not hyping it up as, Hey, this, this upset is how we start our incredible Cinderella run, right? Like it's, Hey, let's go show that we belong, blah, blah, blah. So, if you lose it, you don't end up costing yourselves in weeks two or week three because guys lose all their confidence. Um, I'm kind of pissed about this game. Can I say pissed on here? Yeah. All right. So, I took under 60 and a half when this came out like two weeks (laughs) ago. And then basically every single linebacker for Alabama and Duke proceeded to get hurt. Yeah. (laughs) Now, so to the point now where Bama is playing two, they're starting uh, two true freshmen at linebacker, at inside backer. And I think both the Duke starters are, are either out or questionable.
0: Yeah, I think they're going to try to get Kobe Kwanzaa in there, but that seems to be a tall order with uh, his thumb injury. But yeah, that's that's not looking good.
1: You don't need a thumb for tackling or anything like that. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. You know, um, I'm not super concerned about Bama's running back injuries because it's Bama, and like right. their fifth stringer is probably still a starter at most other schools in the country. Um, can we separate, like, the Daniel Jones should not have been the third pick criticism, which is probably valid from, mm-hmm. like, Daniel Jones was not a good college quarterback thing? Because I don't think he was bad in college. Like, I just you know, think he was yeah. over-grafted.
0: Right. I, it's weird. I mean, I've obviously watched him his whole career uh, probably a little clo- more closely than some ne- nationwide since Duke's not necessarily the biggest TV draw. Um, he, he was – I thought he was. You know what he kind of reminded me of in in a sense of like Christian Ponder's college career. I'm not saying he was as good. I'm just saying like you would see him have a lot of really good moments, and you're like, wow, he ha- he shows a lot of flashes of being really good. But he would also show a lot of flashes of doing things that you were like, why would you do that? And right. like there are certain moments that you feel like he should have came, come up a little bigger, and he just didn't. If that makes sense. And that that was always where I was with Daniel. Although he had nothing around him, like he has no talent around him. Like he, you know what I mean. And his O line wasn't great, and his receivers were better last year, but not amazing. And so, yeah, I mean, I thought he did a pretty good job in college, all things considered, but yeah, I am with you on that. I I think you're right. Like he was a pretty good college quarterback. He wasn't trash in college. He wasn't like, you know, whatever, Josh Allen completing like 40% of his passes or whatever it was. It wasn't that bad.
1: It's a downgrade, right? Uh, yeah.
0: Yes. Yes, it is. Even though he got a few wins, uh, uh, Quentin Harris last year uh, for Duke he got a few wins when Daniel Jones was out but yeah it, it's it, it's a downgrade for sure
1: I just I mean the the spread on this is fairly high I I'm just kind of annoyed at all the injuries with, with I mean granted I, I feel worse for the kids obviously but I do kind of feel a little bit of bad course. for myself taking I, I thought I, under 60 and a half was a great bet at the time and it did go down um, and now I'm like oh well, great I really don't feel quite as good about it with all those all those new linebackers in there that's not not so, great
0: well, and, like, the the narrative around this game has been, well, Alabama's really mad, so they're going to want to run up the score. Do do we sort of overvalue that? Like,
1: at Bama, if you don't play hard, you're going to get replaced. Right. Like, I, I, I think this idea, oh, these guys are going to give 120%. I'm kind of of the opinion, like, I don't think that dudes give a lot of extra effort when they play. Right? right. I think, like, they're probably usually at or close to max effort. I do think it's possible to, like, Give less than full effort, like a potentially mm-hmm. in a look ahead game or a game you don't care about, or maybe you have something going on in your life or or, or whatever, you know, because these pe- are actual people too. They're, they're not robots, but I don't buy like, oh, 140% effort here in this. Like, you, you're you, a guy in front of you is hitting you. You need to be going max effort pretty much as as, as much as you can. A lot of times, the, the lack of effort, I don't think, is actually on game day. I think it's in your prep, right? Maybe you didn't watch all the film on, on, on your tablet like you're supposed to. Maybe you didn't give good reps in practice that week. That that maybe you didn't get your sleep like you're supposed to. Um, you know th- that type of thing.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I just I worry for Duke from an injury perspective because playing a team like Alabama seems to seems to kind of wreak havoc on teams, but. Um, you know, that's, that's all they can hope for. If the coaches know, I guess that they don't have a solid chance to win the game, then they'll probably treat it that way and they'll get their important players out of there. um, When the time comes, I would hope so. um, uh, So I did want to sort of look to the week in the ACC. Um, I don't know if you have the schedule in front of you or not. You don't have to, but, Oh, good. So do you see, like, what's the potential disaster? Do you feel like lurking in the league? Like what's the, what's the loss that you feel like a team could conceivably take that, would not look so great moving forward.
1: <laughs> it might be the game in Jacksonville, right? Like I'm trying to look look at yeah. the let me, let me pull up the actual specific conference schedule so I can see this better. Um
0: which doesn't feel super fair to Florida State. I did list that too. Like somebody asked me what are the most disappointing losses of that an ACC team could take this season. And that that I refused to list that one because I just didn't think it was quite fair to Florida State, but um, people will still view it that way because Florida State is Florida State. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't necessarily think that's entirely oh, fair to either program. Um,
1: Uh-oh. If uh, – there's two matchups here where we've seen a little bit of movement on on the dog money line, and it's East Carolina, NC State, and Syracuse Liberty.
0: Mm, okay. If, I don't yeah. think either
1: of those teams are going to lose, but if they did – that looks pretty bad right like nc state losing at home to ecu would would be bad uh syracuse losing i know it's at liberty but still syracuse losing at liberty yes
0: yeah, that would be very bad would be
1: bad um and those are both like three score favorites so if you if you you know lose a three score upset that's that's pretty bad um the rest of these games are all lined like south carolina is like nine so okay whatever single digits against unc they're expected to win um, if UNC pulls off that upset, that'd be cool for the league, um, and Muschamp's probably immediately on the hot seat because I don't think they can get six <laughs> wins if they lose that. No, but like all these other ones are real small lines. I mean, Notre Dame could could beat beat Louisville by a hundred. Nobody would really care. Um, I think there's. But it's only it's a, it's a low though. line
0: though, isn't it? The Notre one? Dame Louisville. Notre Dame Louisville feels like smaller than I would have thought in terms of what's the line like? Nineteen? Is the yeah, I'm it's like at. it's
1: like. Yeah, I mean that that does feel a little bit low. I know Notre Dame lost a lot. The one thing, like, with I was looking at the computer projections, but the computers don't see that Louisville flat out quit sometimes last year.
0: That's true. That's that's a good point. It's not for a lack of talent necessarily that Louisville is where it is right now. Not that they have a ton of it, but like the, the reason that they were so god awful last year is because they yeah they gave up on Bobby Petrino.
1: Does Boston College need to win this game to make a bowl?
0: Ooh, yeah. That feels that feels like a pivotal one for both, quite frankly, because okay, is Virginia Tech gonna gonna write the ship a little bit and be better this year, um, and have you know have a more functional defense than they did a year ago? You know, are they gonna have a chance in the? Well, they should have a really good chance in the Coastal considering their schedule. Their schedule's capable, but, right? But they they probably do need to win that one to feel better about it. Does the loser of um, this game,
1: does their head coach get fired? Not like, like immediately, but like by the end right. of the year.
0: It's tough for me to see them doing that with Fuente right now, but Adazio, I think, yeah. Like, I don't think you have a choice with Adazio, with Steve Adazio at that point for Boston College. Like, he's had, he's had enough time. I think with Fuente, you could maybe give him a little more time. I think you could easily make that case, but Adazio's had enough time, and they kind of are who they are at this point. Like, the offense is going to have to carry that team this year, which, like, there are no scarier words probably for a Boston College fan to have to hear than those. Like, so, that's not
1: – I got a stat for you here. Um, yeah, 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 Bill Connelly's you know S and P ratings offense defense. The last four years, Boston College has averaged being 80 spots better on defense than offense. Whew, I mean, geez. yeah, like top like top 15 versus like 95th. Um, you're right. There's going to be really hard. Like that offense is going to have to carry him. That defense might suck. Like they lost yes, so
0: much. Probably going to. <laughs>
1: yeah, you, you can't it's, send eight dudes to the combine. I mean yeah. literally dudes here. Ha <laughs> ha Dazio BC.
0: <laughs> eight um dudes.
1: you can't send eight dudes to the combine at BC and expect to not take a step back. That's a whole lot of athletic no. talent lost.
0: No, and I just don't know how much I trust Adazio Dazio and, and the offensive staff there to be able to, you know, utilize the weapons that they have and and let the offense carry that team. But, you know, well we I guess we're gonna see. Um I did want to ask you about a line, actually, that I thought was odd, and you can probably explain it to me a little better. South Carolina, North Carolina. You were saying, you know, nine is is pretty reasonable, but the over-under shocked me because it seemed very high. It was like 63, I believe, or 63 and a half, something like that. Why? The, this Like, that feels like they think it's going to be a close high-scoring game, and I don't know what they're basing that on.
1: So, basically, they're looking at it as like a – 36 26 game I think right
0: okay yeah that makes some sense. I mean, if, yeah. if you
1: take if you take it divided by two and then split and then split the line right so like 62 divided by two all right 31 a piece and we will give each side five so 36 and take away you know five from UNC so like 36 26 UNC is gonna be going tempo right still I mean they're they're still pretty wide open
0: Phil Longo so yeah yeah um air Raids. Yeah, tempo, I think so. I assume yeah.
1: South Carolina will be going more tempo than they were last year because they have um, Jake Bentley back for, like, the 800th season. Um,
0: <laughs> All right.
1: It does seem – I would probably not be betting you over on this, um, but I just don't have a feel – like, I think UNC's defense will be bad, but, like, will it be, like, bottom 100 bad? Will it be bottom 80 bad? There's a difference there, and I yeah. I don't know how it's going to be.
0: Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of unknowns. Um, it's interesting though. I, I did want to like circle back a little bit to something you had said that UNC seems to be one of those teams that's trying to recruit at that potential blue chip, blue chip ratio type of level where like, you're getting, you know, the, the over 50% of five stars or whatever, four four or five stars. Like what is it? Has it really flipped that quickly with Mac?
1: No, no. But but like they had the aspirations to do so, right? Like they're, they're okay. trying to get the kids. it, it they're recruiting a little bit better now than they were under, under Fedora. It, it'll, it'll take a long time, especially because I think Dave Doran and his staff are doing a really nice job in the state yeah. of North Carolina. Like they're getting some of the, some of the higher profile guys. They're not selling out and, and abandoning their roots that to get guys who don't fit.
0: And what they really hold
1: them back so far, it looks to me, I mean, as a guy who doesn't live in the triangle is, is their like their defensive coaching seems to kind of fall apart at times. Um, yeah. And they give up just, Kind of inexplicable drives, but I guess this year we'll see if their offense keeps up. Are are, are people? I, I, can I ask you a question? Yeah, yeah, please. Are folks up there kind of worried about the uh, George McDonald and Kitchens offensive coordinator deal with uh, with with, with uh, Drinkwitz leaving?
0: Um, I think that was a little bit of an eyebrow raiser. Sure, the co coordinator situation was a little bit of a, a an eyebrow raiser, but you know, I think right now they're just more concerned about you know what the heck this offense is going to look like without Ryan Finley and so many of their really, really good receivers from last year. Um, And I think they're kind of cautiously optimistic about where the defense is at. And they think the defense can be better um, than it was last year. So yeah, I mean, I I think there, there's a little bit of trepidation there because nobody likes co-coordinators. I mean, it's not the same rule as quarterbacks. I guess when you have co-coordinators, you really don't have any coordinator, but, but yeah, there is a little bit of like, why is it like that? What's going on here type, thing but we won't really know I guess until we start seeing them play and, and see how they look
1: that makes sense I, I was I don't know with how things ended at Syracuse there and and uh I, I think I, I thought a lot of Drinkwits so that'll that'll be interesting to watch but I don't know how you're going to separate yeah. like yeah is this Drinkwits leaving or is it uh family leaving
0: Right and yeah maybe some of both you know I mean it's, it's, there's always going to be a little bit of transition but I, I, I like the guy that they picked in Matt McKay or excuse me Matthew McKay He's <laughs> correct this already which is fine I would rather know what your name is now than have to change it like after you get drafted looking at you Mitchell Trubisky what was that all about but you know it, anyway McKay is is a is a guy that's been around the program for like three years and you know. I think that's probably a good thing. He's, he's been around for at least a year longer than the other guys he was competing against, including Bailey Hockman, who I guess, you know, a little bit, or at least know of. (laughs) Yeah. uh, I
1: I thought he would maybe have a chance to win that job. I I know. Yeah. I was going to ask. Yeah. Like there was some thought from his camp that he should have won the job last year, but I was told like his arm looked kind of weak in practice last year and, uh, just didn't really measure up. And, uh, Yeah. Look, if you can't start at Florida State and you can't start at NC State, that's now two different programs, two different staffs. It it may not it 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 may be an inward problem. I don't know.
0: Yeah. And you know, he's he's won the backup job and he seems to be at least Dave Doran said he was taking it really well and was just, you know, ready to be ready in case needed and and whatever. Is McKay
1: good? So we'll like like that's kind of question um,
0: he he's played well. Um he's played well when we've seen him in the limited times we've seen him um, like in the spring game and stuff and his teammates speak pretty highly of him. Um, I, you know, I think he's fine. They need a run game. If they don't have a run game this year, they're going to have way more problems than quarterback play. So He's going to be part of the <laughs> you know, run game.
1: I assume how big he is, yeah, right? Yeah. Like they're going to run him more. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And he's really the only quarterback that does any of that um, the, at least in the spring game that really did much of that successfully. So yeah, I think that they'll make that a component of what they're doing as well. Um, so yeah, I think, well, I did want to know if there's any other line from this week of ACC games that stand out to you of like weird or like something that people should pounce on. If, if people are interested in such things, I guess you can talk about this stuff now that it's like mostly legal. Yeah. So. Uh,
1: well, we were always talking about it. Um, and it was, <laughs> That's true. uh, so stuff I've taken in the ACC this week, I took Clemson uh, minus twenty three and a half 23 and a half for the first half. Um,
2: Oh wow. Basically like okay. I
1: Georgia tech, every single defensive lineman, um, who had a tackle for loss last year, either graduated, transferred out or tragically in the spring died. Uh, Oh yeah. So they have zero returning tackles for loss up front. I also think their offense is a total cluster. So I'm very confident Clemson will, will put up points in the first half. What I don't have confidence in is Lawrence playing for the full game. So uh, I took Clemson minus 23 and a half. I took Georgia tech under 12 points as a team. Uh, which seems aggressive, but I, I don't think they're they're going to score a whole lot. Um, I do like Wake Forest to lay the points. I took ECU plus. I think I got him at eighteen at NC State. That's pretty
0: good. I would I would have taken that too. yes.
1: you can yeah, still get good, like anything over seventeen. I think I think is still play is still very playable. Um, okay, because eighteen is not a key number. Uh, I took Duke, you know, at Alabama under sixty and a half, which now, like I already said on the show, I, 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 a lot less confidence in. <laughs> Um, yeah, I took Tech minus two when it came out, and that thing moved to four and a half. So I, I got a lot of value there. Oh on yeah, that. Um, and then and that was it in, in the ACC. That's actually quite a bit. But you know, if you you got I think you got to come out come out of the gate firing before the the whole public wakes up to uh, to what's going on in football. Like if you wait a <laughs> month to start betting, it's like Vegas. get yeah, better. have you've been on too. this for
0: a while. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do. It's weird with Georgia Tech, and I'll, I'll get you out of here after this. But with Georgia Tech, I, I feel like there is part of me that thinks like there's no way the offense can be as much of a disaster as we anticipate it being. Like I've almost gone the other way with it after having the whole summer to think about it. And I know they're transitioning from the triple option to a pro style and whatever else. But like I, I can't I can't help but think like maybe it's not going to be as bad. But then you flip back and you're like, well, they're playing Clemson, though. So even if it's not as bad, it might look as bad as we think it's going. I don't know.
1: Have you seen the thing that they're doing there? And I I, I don't totally disagree with you. Like, it, they they do have some talent there on offense. I, I, I'm interested to see how the talent is put together. But they're doing yeah. this thing where they're like playing instead of a traditional scout team, they're just running their own offense and then trying to put in a couple like the opposing team's plays. Have you, have you, Did you see this?
0: No, basically, so that, like yeah, they're focused sense. on
1: their own development as opposed to like simulating opponents. And to me, that is a bit of a sign that like they're all about long-term development, you know, and maybe not winning games this year.
0: Because um, okay.
1: you do yeah. get like as Collins gets a total year zero here.
0: Oh, like yeah. If there's anything like less than a year zero, he gets it. Yeah. So
1: with that, I'm not really sure I want to be taking Georgia Tech in in games this year, unless it just gets real bad they they can go three and nine
0: I mean three feels optimistic doesn't it
1: they get some easies (laughs) right I'm trying to think who they get
0: they well they have they have uh they get like NC State at home later in the year that's one that I circled a little bit for state that I was like well maybe Georgia Tech by then we'll start to understand who they are and and be a little bit more competent they get Carolina at home and we you know Carolina's not going to be great but you know it's still pretty early in the year you know, so I don't know. I feel like the later in the year it is, the more competent they'll look. But how competent will be the question, you know?
1: I think USF could actually beat them next week in, in, oh, in Atlanta. Oh, absolutely. Um,
0: in fact, if they don't, like, that's probably a bad look for USF. Yeah,
1: I, I I totally agree. And Citadel, they'll, they'll win. They got to go on the road yeah, to be, Temple. They're probably dogs there. Yeah. They might be favored over UNC I, at home.
0: They'll probably be favored, yeah. And that'll be, uh, yeah. That'll be a tricky one for UNC for sure, but it's still early enough that they maybe will have gotten them at the right time, but we'll see. Um, Yeah. Predicting games. It's a crazy business. There's a reason Vegas makes a lot of money. Bud Elliott, though, is pretty good at it as well in terms of telling you what to bet and what good bets are and bad bets. And um, to close out the show, though, before I say goodbye to Bud, uh, right after we say bye to Bud, I'm going to have my three-year-old try to pick games straight up he will pick this week's slate of ACC games straight up, not against the spread. And y'all can take whoever's advice you want. I mean we're both as likely to be right. Okay.
2: Um make, but make him do the
0: spread. I, I'm gonna have to I did I did get him to say that he thought um at least one team would cover the spread. Even though he said I said, I know you don't know what that is and he said yes they, they will. So <laughs> there <you go>. um, <laughs> He he picked one team because he is a fan of Myrtle Beach. I won't spoil who that is, but um, all right. Bud Elliott, thank you so much for doing this. Uh Banner Society.com is up and running now, correct? It is,
1: yep. Check out Banner Society. You can follow me on Twitter at Bud 3 And uh, but yeah, everything at Banner Society. It's pretty cool. We're just trying to produce stuff that people actually want to read and, and not doing stuff just just for Google. So
0: No, I love it. And I think you guys are doing a great job. Thank you so much for joining me. This has been an ACC podcast.
2: Okay, Alex. Say hello. Hello. Boston College or Virginia Tech? What do you think? Boston College. Boston College. Okay. Clemson or Georgia Tech? Clemson. Clemson. Okay. Okay. Duke or Alabama? Alabama. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah, I think so too, probably. You think they cover? You don't know what that means, do you? Yes. You do? Okay. Florida State or Boise State? Boise State. Okay. Pittsburgh or Virginia? Virginia. Oh, okay, okay. All right, what else we got? We've got Syracuse or Liberty? Syracuse. Syracuse? Okay. North Carolina or South Carolina? South Carolina. Is that because you love Myrtle Beach? Yes. I thought so. Okay. What else we got on the Ah, right. NC State or ECU? ECU. You said ECU? Wow, that's an upset pick. We did. Yes, that you did it. it. You, you made it an upset pick. You sure did. Okay. What else do we have? We have Wake Forest or Utah State. Utah State. Utah State. Wow. Yeah, that would that would be a tough one for the ACC. Okay. Alex, thank you so much. Can you say thank you? Notre Dame or Louisville? Notre Dame or Louisville, Alex? Louisville. Louisville. Okay, wow. That is, whew, that would be quite the shocker if that happened.